fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. Several shots were fired as President Kennedy's motorcade passed through downtown Dallas. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. This is just a thing, please. Oh, you're coming out of Welcome to the Hagman Daily Show, weekdays 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And now your hosts, Joe Hagman and John Robertson. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday, July 10th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Daily Show. So glad to be here today. We have a lot to get into. want to open by saying a quick hello to our sponsor, uh, simplycleanfoods.net is the website. It's your go-to place for all your storable food and uh, supplies, survival supplies. And go there, use the promo code SIMPLYCLEAN. It's GMO-free food, and it's veteran and Christian-owned company, and they have the best deals. 25-year shelf life, you can get uh, up to a year's worth of food, or even just buy a few of the sample packs. Uh, either way, get in touch with Chance. He's been a, been a guest several times on the show, and will continue to come on probably uh, once a week. And he uh, is the sponsor, and that's simplycleanfoods.net, promo code SIMPLYCLEAN for a discount on your order. Now, uh, with that out of the way, I want to jump right into the news, John. We have a Supreme Court pick, and it is pretty controversial uh, when we look at President Trump and the Trump agenda, you know, draining the swamp. Uh, the question now becomes, is this Supreme Court nomination, Kavanaugh, is he... Uh, part of the swamp and I have a clip here we're going to start with Judge Napolitano he's disappointed at Kavanaugh nomination I've received emails from listeners to the show who says they, they can't believe that Kavanaugh ended up being uh, the one to, to be picked when the options were uh, for a more conservative judge that you know would vote conservatively uh, where this guy this is like a uh, another uh, disaster it could turn into a disaster pick where this guy uh, votes liberal uh, a lot of the times or votes you know against the constitution even though it says and he quotes that you know the the uh, law of the land the constitution is supreme and it must be upheld and uh, it's not for us to interpret the law it's just for us to decide what is and what is not law which is the heart of the constitution uh, there's another story out there and this is a clip of fox and friends talking with Judge Napolitano this morning on the Kavanaugh pick. So let's take a listen. It's Judge uh, Brett Kavanaugh. What are your thoughts? Do you know him? Well, I do know him. There were four forces going on at once. So the religious conservatives wanted Judge Barrett, uh, the former Notre Dame law professor from the Seventh Circuit in Chicago. The academic conservatives wanted Judge Kethledge, a sort of mirror image of uh, Justice uh, Gorsuch. Mm. The president's sister wanted her colleague, Judge Hardiman, whom some believe was originally the president's uh, first choice. The Washington establishment, sometimes known as the swamp, <laughs> wanted, right, wanted, wanted Judge uh, Kavanaugh, and uh, the people around the president wanted Judge Kavanaugh, led by Don McGahn, the White House 
uh, legal counsel, longtime friend of Judge Kavanaugh, uh, and and they prevailed. But are you suggesting so you're saying that- it's a swamp pick? Yes, I'm saying that this is. I am disappointed in the president because this is not the type of person that he said he would pick. Justice Gorsuch was. This person is at the heart and soul of the D.C. establishment against whom the president railed. Now, look, that's that's just my criticism. He's pro-life. He's pro-gun. He's pro-police, which rankles uh, civil libertarians. Mm -hmm. He's also pro-Obamacare. He's also, well, an infant might have the right to an abortion. An infant immigrant might have the right to an abortion. He's, we can impeach the president if he lies to the public. He's, the president can do no wrong. These are not my words, these are words that he's said throughout his career. So one of the the takes on him is he can be reckless with his words. Do I think he'll be confirmed? Yes, I think he'll be confirmed. But I think you're gonna see some incoming fire, as Ed would say, from the right uh, on him. Why is Rand Paul, others, Tom Cotton, There are Republicans, as you suggest, who are skeptical of this nomination. Because he is, at heart and soul, a big government guy, and because he is part of the Washington establishment against which the president uh, railed. So are you suggesting that there could be a challenge with the right on this nomination? Yes, but I do think, ultimately, they're not going to uh, embarrass the the, uh, president. Look, if Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski decide that he's too pro-life for them, then they have to get some Democrats, assuming that Senator McCain uh, doesn't vote. if we were sitting here and Hillary Clinton were the president of the All United right. States. All right, let's stop it there. Uh, so there you have at least Judge Napolitano's opinion on uh, Judge, on Justice, soon to be Justice Kavanaugh. But at the end of that discussion, they brought up another interesting topic and angle to this whole discussion, which is will how will... Uh, the vote go? Will he even be nominated? Will enough Republicans jump on board to uh, uh, make this pick? Now, some people will say that this is a you know 4D chess that the president is uh, appeasing the establishment by making this pick, knowing that he will not get nominated, and then is able to make another pick uh, that he who he really wanted to put in there. I don't buy that theory. And huh. even if this guy doesn't get nominated. Um, still or doesn't get doesn't get elected into the uh, uh supreme court still i don't buy that angle but you have well, people out there with different opinions and john you heard some of the quotes from uh, the guy himself it sounds like he's a hypocrite he's pro-life but he's he, he's okay with abortions he's you know pro-gun yeah, but he's big government all right let's 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 go directly to the source QAnon uh said today If a train leaves Boston traveling 180 miles an hour and another train leaves New York traveling 155 miles an hour, then who's going to make it onto the Supreme Court? No, I I jest. Uh, 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 Hashtag enough with the Q. Um, No, but seriously, uh, let's talk about Kavanaugh. So what I'm seeing here, I hate to say this, Joe, and I almost feel like I should delete a couple of my tweets that I punched out in real time during the president's announcement last night. Here's here's my concern. This is kind of starting to sound like a Stephen Breyer, David Souter type. Okay, and this is from Breitbart.com. I'll just give you a a quick piece of it. Kavanaugh judges. Now, now, now this is tricky, Joe, and and I'm going to really be interested in your opinion on this because there's merit here. But it's got there's just something that's not passing the smell test. So, again, Breitbart.com posted today. Kavanaugh judges must interpret, not make law interpret statutes and constitution as written. After the announcement of his nomination to the Supreme Court, Judge Brett Kavanaugh stated, quote, 
a judge must be independent and must interpret the law, not make the law. Okay, amen. We can all agree the, to that, right? Okay, no, no. no. Maybe we're maybe I'm missing something here, or, or maybe my brain is just not working right today. In, interpreting the law. Okay, if you're saying your inter your interpretation of the law is the law, that's bias. That's not the actual way it goes. Well, but, that's why they call them. That's why they call them Supreme Court opinions uh, and dissents. So, so that so the proper function of a of any federal judge, really, actually any judge, technically down to your local traffic court judge. Interpreting the law is supposed to mean, by definition, that you are uh, that you are, are you're applying the law in in both in both word and spirit. Okay. Now, when you get a judicial activist, they use this is where we're tripping each other up, Joe. They use interpretation. They co-opt. Yeah, okay. They sabotage that word to cover up uh, judicial activism. So, th so they will say, well, we interpret this to mean. That this given, you know, minority or special interest group is getting the shaft, blah, blah, blah. So no, interpretation. You, yeah. So you got it. So uh, back to the Breitbart piece quickly. So this is what Kavanaugh said. A judge must be independent and must interpret the law, not make the law. A judge must interpret statutes as written and a judge must interpret the Constitution as written. OK, all that sounds great. Now, here's the trick informed by history and tradition and precedent. Now, Joe, this is where things are kind of starting to smell a little odious here because what I don't like about that quote, it's actually a really good quote, but what I don't like about it is the second part. And a judge must interpret the Constitution as written. Okay, perfect. A plus, Kavanaugh. Informed by history. Yeah, pretty good. A minus. And tradition and precedent. And that's where I've got the problem because, Joe, I got to be honest with you. I think that judicial precedent, precedent, uh, what we, uh, case law, um, has has it, it turned our country upside down. Oh, yeah, it has. It has. We've gotten so far away from, uh, as you say, the the word and and following of the Constitution and the spirit of the in, you know of the laws of the land that we see that uh, we talk about this all the time: the destruction of the country through this liberal socialist um, uh, communist infiltration. And it's happened over a long period of time from our Department of Education uh, to the welfare state to the IRS uh, tax, 1934 tax laws that were passed where you, you, know, you started paying the income tax and property taxes and all that. The Federal Reserve, we'd have, we've had uh, encroachment by these systems into our country for so long. And now, you know, from uh, Roe v. Wade and all the other crazy, uh, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, created laws by the Supreme Court judicial activists, it is uh, very troublesome to see. It, the, the question needs to be asked, at least in my mind, why, what, how can Trump justify this to the base that is so loyal to him? Well, okay, that's, let's take that question uh, because that's, that's, I don't want to just, you know, kind of toss off a, a lame answer on that. But first, before we do that, Joe, let's take a look at dictionary.com because this is interesting. Right? You, you hit a really interesting snag right here out of the gate today on The Daily Show. <clears throat> Pardon me. Interpret. Now, this is from dictionary.com. Interpret is a verb, and it's used either with an object or without. So the verb used with an object, it's the following definitions. Number one, to give or provide the meaning of. To explain, explicate, elucidate. 
as in to interpret the hidden meaning of a parable. Number two, to construe or understand in a particular way to yes. interpret, for example, to interpret a reply as favorable. Uh, number three is irrelevant because it's about it's about music and performing arts. Uh, number four is also irrelevant. Same thing. So uh, now the verb used with an object is different. That's to translate what is said as in a foreign language or to explain something or give an explanation. And the word goes all the way back to Middle English uh, in 1350 uh, from from the Latin uh, interpretari. So here's the deal. Joe, I think the problem is if 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 Judge Kavanaugh is to give or provide the meaning of explain or explicate, then we're good. That's exactly the job he's supposed to be doing. Now, the now elucidate that gets into a different deal. When you go over when you go from explicate to elucidate, now you're personalizing it. Now you're starting to uh, your opinion is starting to seep in. Now I'm almost done. Bear with me. It also number the, the number two is to construe or understand in a particular way. Again, that's that's almost a double meaning when we're talking about a, a Supreme Court justice. To construe is what the Sotomayors and the Ruth Bader Ginsburgs do. They construe what it is they believe the political left on this country wants. When they, in the case of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that the age of consent should be twelve. But to understand in a particular way, the second half of that definition, that's what we want a proper, legitimate Supreme Court justice to do. But, Joe, the problem, as I see it, is this. Uh, Judge Napolitano, um, uh, well, let's answer, let's answer your question first. So uh, for our listeners' benefit, pose the question a second time, and let's, let's rock this thing out. Well, you know, uh, the definitions that you just gave, John, and I appreciate you going through and uh, grabbing that. Uh, and what really we take away from this, and uh, let's look at the history of the Supreme Court, what we've seen. Uh, when did it become the question? I heard a question asked on, uh, I think it was either Laura Ingram or uh, I want to say Savage, maybe with a guest host. Anyway, sorry. Uh, but the Supreme Court really became uh, active during the Franklin Roosevelt administration. And this is when the, you know, right after the IRS started the, uh, 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 this is when they started to change things uh, drastically in our country, moving away from the, the Republican, the Republic form of government into uh, democracy. Yep. But the Supreme Court was impaneled in 1789 under the uh, Judiciary Act of 1789. The court was to be composed of six members through uh, the number of justices has been made to nine uh, for most of its history, and uh, I forget who it was, the president who wanted to be there for three terms tried to uh, increase it to 11 people. No, it was, well, let, let me help you out with your history. It was, it was FDR in 1933 when he wanted to get the Social Security Act pushed through, Joe. Right. He tried to pack the Supreme Court to 15. That, oh, okay. that, that wheelchair-bound, sort of grandfatherly, you know, monocled cigarette holder Oh, he was guy that everybody loves. He tried to pack the court. He had the audacity to believe that he had enough gravitas and enough political mandate in his first term, mind you, to pack the court with an additional seven justices. So that's part number one. Part number two is we need to remember historically that that between Woodrow Wilson, who served as president during the World War One era, 
1919, I believe, 13 to 1919. Between Wilson and Roosevelt, we had all Republicans. So Roosevelt, FDR, when he got elected in 32 and took office in March of 33, he was picking up the Woodrow Wilson agenda where Woodrow Wilson left off because in between we had Calvin Coolidge so, and we had uh, uh, Hoover. So here's the deal. Woodrow Wilson, who gave us, and like you just said, Joe, the Federal Reserve Act, who, 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 who opened up, threw open the gates to Americans' wallets, uh, he, in one stroke of the pen, eliminated what Abraham Lincoln and Andrew Jackson fought vehemently against, and Thomas yep. Jefferson, too. That's number one. And then he also signed the federal income tax law in 1916. So what FDR did was he picked up on the progressive uh, basically steal your money agenda of Woodrow Wilson, because because unfortunately for the Democrats, we happen to have two Republican administrations in between. And so the Supreme Court, Joe, uh, has been has I, I'm going to go this far. I'm going to say that a lot of the liberal presidents and some conservatives, too, I think George W. Bush got dangerously close to this. But I think that many presidents uh, have had a a, a disregard or, or they almost see the Supreme Court as an irritant or a or or a, a an, an impediment to their agenda as president. Now, it was Andrew Jackson who famously quipped, uh, I can't remember the justice's name, but the, the chief justice back in Andrew Jackson's day in the 1820s, uh, Andrew Jackson famously said, well, chief justice, whatever his name was, has rendered his opinion. Now let him enforce it. And of course, he was uh, demonstrating that it is the president as the chief executive who has the power of the military and law enforcement under his branch of the of the of the three branches of government. So uh, back to Justice Kavanaugh, and let's take a quick look, Joe, if we may, at Judge Napolitano as well. Look, I don't want to slam Judge Napolitano. Andrew Napolitano has done yeoman's work on Fox News for what a couple no, of decades. Uh... But he's, we got a problem with Napolitano, so go for it, buddy. Well, he he uh, I, we I can't find the video right now. Let me see if I saved it. But he was I, I watched a video the other day where he was talking about you know he was for more open borders and and for amnesty and whatnot. Um, and I don't think I did save it, but I can find it. I can find it in my search history, so I will find that. But um, yeah, that kind of bothered me. But he. Napolitano is a straight shooter when it comes to the Constitution. He is uh, an expert when it comes to the Constitution, and I think uh, I don't always agree with you know his interpretations of how things should go. But uh, you know, overall, Napolitano is uh, a good guy, and I do agree with mo most of what he says. But there's some stuff that I do not agree with, and um, I I don't know enough about this Kavanaugh. But when I am reading, uh, he is very in entrenched in the swamp. He was a nominee under uh, uh, I believe Bush, the first Bush, or maybe it was Bush too. Uh, he was a nominee for the Supreme Court. Uh, he did not get picked, but he was among a group of people like we saw Trump had yesterday, you know, four people uh, that he was going to choose from one of those people. He, he was also Kavanaugh was in a group like that under President Bush. And I see I've seen pictures of him with uh, Clinton. And uh, so he definitely is a very swamp entrenched individual. And well, he's he, he clerked for and came up under Justice Kennedy. So he, he, 30, he was he was with Justice Kennedy for 30 years. Uh, and how can anybody, Joe, operate in the swamp for 30 years without getting a little bit of swamp scum on them? You know? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's uh, 
and he's just pro Obamacare. It just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And, and it leaves a bad be, taste in your mouth. It there does. has to be some kind of deal made. It just doesn't make sense to me that the president would make this pick. This goes against uh, even his own statements. His own, even in the past. Uh, what Judge Napolitano said in that clip was that President Trump had a favorite. He was the runner-up uh, when when uh, Gorsuch was was uh, nominated, and that that's who the president wanted. And then Napolitano said, "Well, uh, but this is who the establishment wanted." And if that is the case, then what what is going on here? Because this goes against uh, even. In the campaign, the president carried around a list of Supreme Court nominees. I don't know if this guy was one of them. I'm going to check into that. I think he didn't wait. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but when he was candidate Trump, he actually, I remember this in the news in 2016, he publicized the list. Remember? He actually went on record and said, here's 20 or 30 names. But Joe, there's another another angle to this that I think we need to take a look at that might uh, shed some light on this and, and keep in mind listeners. I mean, this story is developing in capital letters. It was just announced at 9 PM Eastern last night. So, um, so Joe and I are, 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 you know, we're running. Let me say this, John. Yesterday, uh, I I had a super long day, uh, yesterday. Uh, (laughs) you're going to tell people what you did. (laughs) Well, Eric and I went golfing in the morning and we walked the course and that took about two and a half hours. And that was, uh, you know, it was about 90 degrees yesterday. So it was pretty hot and, uh, got back, did the daily show. And then I had to take a trip to Ohio, uh, to, to run an errand for my dad. But by the time I got back, I came home, took a shower, grabbed my stuff and went and did the show. So you had to go pick up a cow. In Ohio, granted, granted, a dead cow. <laughs> Long story short, uh, some neighbors of my my father uh, went in on the purchase of you know part of a cow. So yeah, I, I drove to uh, seriously the most remote <laughs> and obscure, riding on a dirt road for miles, uh, place in in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, to go pick up eighty pounds of uh, meat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was a fun adventure yesterday. But I had a long day. So I said all that to say, uh, I, I with, with the show and the guests we had on last night, I was uh, up on the, the topics. But since then, I haven't done much looking into the news. or uh, Aside from glancing at the headlines uh, before no, we started the show, tired. I did not dig into anything. So if I just sound like I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's probably because I don't right now. Well, that's I, I okay. Guess. I don't know what I'm talking about either, but we're going to push right ahead because we're both really good at talking when we don't know what we're talking about. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, this is from the WashingtonExaminer.com. Now, Joe, this is going to be a nice little nice little bone for you and I to chew on here. Uh, remember, listeners, uh, 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 Judge Brett Kavanaugh is not a Supreme Court justice. He has to go through a confirmation process. And if we look back over 30 years of of confirmation uh, process, what would that be, processes, uh, they get bloody. They get real, uh, really ugly on the Senate floor. So this is a great piece that uh, Susan uh, Ferraccio, uh, I believe is how you say her last name, uh, posted over at the Washington Examiner here uh, late last night. God, God bless you, Susan. She was up writing it at midnight last night. So, so this posted uh, you know, uh, 12, 13 hours ago. Uh, this is from WashingtonExaminer.com. Six senators to watch in the battle over Trump's Supreme Court pick. The president's choice of Brett Kavanaugh to serve as the next justice on the Supreme Court sets off a months-long confirmation process that will ultimately be decided by a group of by a critical group of senators. In a Senate with 50 voting Republicans and 49 who vote as Democrats. Kavanaugh can be scuttled if just one Republican votes no. Now, remember, Joe, we've got the John McCain X factor in there, but we can talk about that in a minute. 
uh, but can be saved if every no from a, a Republican is met with at least one yes by a Democrat. That means every vote matters, especially among a handful of Republicans and Democrats who have the potential to vote with the other party. So here's who to watch. Susan Collins. I'm not going to go into each of their bios because I'll be reading for the next 10 minutes. But Susan Collins, Republican, Maine. Okay. Lisa Murkowski, Republican, Alaska. Yeah. Heidi Heitkamp, Democrat, North Dakota. John, uh, Joe Donnelly, Democrat, Indiana, uh, who, by the way, uh, voted for Gorsuch. Okay. So he, he could be a, a yes from the Democrat camp. Joe Manchin, Democrat, West Virginia. Okay, he opposes abortion. God, uh, God bless you, Joe. Uh, and has said he can work with President Trump. But he also warned on West Virginia's talk line radio that if Trump selects someone who would overturn Roe v. Wade or repeal Obamacare, quote, that's a bigger lift, unquote. Now it goes on to say that Manchin is running for a second term. And uh, so he's got he's got his political butt hanging in the wind as well. Lastly, I believe lastly, uh, Doug Jones, a Democrat, Alabama. Uh, Jones was wasn't in the Senate for the Gorsuch confirmation, but he hails from a deep red state. And yes, he does. Alabama. God bless you folks out in Alabama that backed Trump by 28 points. Now, Doug Jones, again, Democrat, Alabama, he's up for reelection in 2020 uh, after winning a partial term by beating a significantly flawed GOP candidate. And if I'm not mistaken, that would be Judge Roy Moore. Yeah. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, what's really interesting about this, and just to wrap this up, because I don't want to talk about the Supreme Court all day today, because Me we uh, neither. we didn't dig into the, the, the whole uh, background of Kavanaugh. We don't have a lot prepared. But uh, again, the, the my consensus, the, the consensus I am seeing from uh, people who are very dedicated Trump supporters is that they are disturbed and disappointed by this pick and whatever happens if the if, if some senators uh, abstain or, or vote against this guy being nominated people like Rand paul maybe some people from the freedom caucus who who will see that uh you know he is um or the freedom caucus mentalities who see that this guy's too much of the establishment uh i don't know i wish trump would give us an explanation as to why and maybe he did in his speech last night i haven't even went back to watch the speech but out of the list he had as candidate trump and out of the uh desire to i guess you'd say conserve the uh what's left of our constitutional republic this is not the pick from what i understand that you want to make so why did that happen? That's my biggest beef of the day. Well, but let's move on. Let's, let, let, well, let's, let's wrap it up. But let me, I got let me another head scratcher after this. So, uh, uh yeah, well, I'm up. ready to, I'm ready to head scratch away, but let, let me just drop this and we will, we'll move on. Um, Susan, I, I glossed over Susan Collins. She's been around forever. Re Republican from Maine, but this is interesting. Again, this is from the Washington examiner piece quote. Collins has never voted against a Republican president's nominee to the Supreme court, but she has threatened to do so this time. And here's the key, Joe, if President Trump's pick could vote to overturn Roe v. Wade, the 1973 decision legalizing abortion. Collins has served in the Senate since 1997. Can anybody say term limits? Yeah. Uh, as a moderate, as a moderate pro-abortion Republican who has never been afraid to vote against the party. Notably, she voted to confirm Justice Samuel Alito despite his refusal to declare Roe v. Wade settled law. Uh, late Monday, Collins left the door open by saying she needed time to study the nominee. I say that, Joe, to say this. 
Um, I don't want to get too out into speculation land here, but I would encourage listeners to pray about this and just think about this. I mean, you know, be open minded. Uh, it is very likely uh, Keith Hansen at real Keith Hansen on Twitter tweeted this out last night. It is very likely that President Trump will have yet another Supreme Court yeah. pick, uh, even even perhaps in his first term. So, Joe, here's the question. Trump, uh, President Trump, we know, is a populist president. But what makes him a a productive populist president is that he doesn't just lick his finger and stick it in the wind and change his mind every 12 hours. He is a populist with a with a, a pro-America agenda. But but I think President Trump is mindful that as much as it, mis- it may dismay us as conservatives and libertarians, uh, half of the country are registered Democrats and, and, and a, a significant portion are, are, are really flipped off the reservation at this point. So here's my question. Did President Trump pick sort of a middle of the rotor? I don't know enough about Kavanaugh to call him a swamp monster, but maybe Trump's got a method here. Maybe he knows he needs the Susan Collins vote. Okay, maybe he knows he needs the Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, also a Republican vote, so he can get a a conservative on 90 percent of the issues or 85 percent of the issues, get this conservative in because President Trump may be keeping some of his powder dry, so to speak, for the next nominee. And I wouldn't be surprised, Joe, this is just my guess, but I wouldn't be surprised if President Trump's next nominee is significantly more of a constitutional originalist than what we're hearing uh, about Judge Brett Kavanaugh, particularly from the commentary that we heard from uh, from uh, uh, Napolitano. Yeah. Napolitano. Yeah. But, you know, interestingly enough, one of the, the biggest issue for conservatives uh, well, a few of the biggest issues is seems to be abortion. That seems to be that's that's what the left was most concerned about when they announced the retirement of Justice Kennedy. And now that this opportunity has presented itself, Republicans have now uh, the pro-abortion Republican or uh, anti-abortion Republicans have expected now that this law somehow was going to be overturned by the next uh, Supreme Court pick that Trump got, which I think uh, I wish and pray that that would happen. But I just don't see it happening. I think the farthest it would go is to just give the uh, this, the decision back to the states to decide if individual individual states would have uh, laws prohibiting or, or legalizing it. But it should be made illegal, obviously. But even if it were made illegal, just like in the times of old uh, in Israel, they did it in anyway. And, and in other nations, they sacrificed their children to idols and, and to Moloch. There would be underground abortion clinics, and it would still continue. But yes, it would, it would uh, definitely turn things around. But if we look at the bigger picture, aside from the Roe v. Wade, uh, is this a good pick? And, and the other, other thing I, I wonder about, excuse me, is the Obamacare, uh, his support for Obamacare. But anyway, let's move on from the Supreme Court. John, you mentioned a story before when we were talking off air that when at the time you mentioned it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. And that was the story of these kids in <laughs> Thailand. Um, talk, talking about the rescue? Yeah. Okay. So oh, I, no, haven't, this story I haven't awesome. been paying attention to it except to know that they re- were able to rescue, uh, you know, a few people the first night, then then the rest the second night, and then the, the last coach what uh, was the last or whatever. But what were these people doing in this cave anyway? This is what I never – I didn't look far well, enough they, into they the were story. Tu- well, they were, they were touring the cave. Okay. So and in- interestingly, I just toured a cave two days ago yeah. uh, in Colorado Springs. So they were in a cave. And, uh, and, uh, apparently they went in the cave at the wrong time of year. It's, it's tsunami season over there. And, and what tsunami happened is season? The, the, excuse me, tsunami season. 
Yeah, it's or monsoon. I'm sorry, it's monsoon season. <laughs> okay. Thank, thank, thank you, thank you, Joe. It's monsoon say, awesome. season. And what happened basically, and this happens in the Southwest here in the United States as well. Uh, when you're canyoneering, and I've done some canyoneering in my life, so that would be a cave minus the ceiling. Uh, you don't do so if there's any um, weather reports of potential of potential rain, because what happens is uh, uh, enough rain can right, fall. Right. And it can it can flood you out. So yeah. what happened basically is is these people were trapped in a sub a subterranean cavern with a significant body of water between them and the exit. Now, uh, this became a three a uh, multinational operation. It started with the Thai uh, the the Thai Navy SEALs who are who are by the way a very competent spec ops community. And we have Craig Sawyer joining us tonight on the Hagman Report, uh, seven thirty to eight. So we'll get we'll get Craig to do a quick quick piece of commentary on the on the, the Navy SEALs component of this, he himself being a retired SEAL. Uh, but then the British uh, got involved, uh, British uh, SAS and some of their special spec ops components got involved. And, and then lastly, the U.S. Na Navy SEALs served in a support capacity with some air assets and some other gear, et cetera. Uh, but a couple of divers, while I was in Colorado Springs, uh, lost their lives. So, so whereas all the soccer team and the coach were saved, uh, unfortunately, a couple of the original divers that went in to do the rescue uh, did perish in in this in this story. And Joe, it's reminiscent of that amazing story from five years ago about the uh, the Chilean miners who were trapped. Uh, that was made into a major feature film, uh, and uh, it's actually a feature film with a with a pretty strong uh, pro Christian theme, if you can believe that. Um, but uh, but yeah, definitely an interesting story. And and you know what? God bless the Thai. Uh, Navy and their personnel. I think sometimes, Joe, as Americans, to be perfectly blunt, I think we sometimes forget that there are uh, some serious, uh, seriously trained bad boys in other spec ops communities around uh, the world, and the Thai, uh, the Thai uh, Navy SEALs are certainly one of them. Well, it's an interesting story, and that was my question, and I didn't pay en enough attention to the story except to see, uh, get the updates of, you know, the, as they were rescuing children, they uh, could only do it during certain times, and, and they could, I think, only get up to four at a time, so they ha were bringing them out, and it took like three days, I believe, once they got in there to, to get everybody, and I think the coach was in there, if I'm mistaken, not mistaken, the coach uh, was the last one to get rescued. They had That's to wait. right. He was in there alone for one of the evenings. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, he was the, the, co the coach. And you know what? God, God bless Coach Dave Dobbenmeyer. Pass the salt. Pass the salt. Uh, CoachDaveLive.com. Coach would, would be the first to tell us this. The coach is like the captain of the ship, okay? He goes out last. You take care of your team first. That's part of being a coach, and it's part of being a leader. But I want to drop something just out of the blue on our listeners. Um, uh, if you're looking, I love everybody, all of you folks know I love to read, and I love good stories, and so does Joe. Uh, in fact, all of us do. Doug does, too. We all have huge libraries. And if you are looking for some of the best combinations of, of history, mystery, technological advancements, adventure, and edge-of-your-seat, page-turner type literature, get into the world of reading about wreck divers, uh, especially off the Atlantic coast, and also about cave divers, particularly down in Florida and Mexico. Joe, I'm telling you, it's, it's called technical diving. And and it's a it's a um, extreme sport. So civilians do this. A lot of them are retired um, uh, military personnel. But when you get into a ship that's underwater, and people have people have gone into the Andrea Doria, they've they've gone into the Wilkes Bear. I mean, they they penetrate these ships. They're in. Imagine this: you're 300 feet underwater, 
and you're inside the grand dining room of an ocean liner that sank in 1956. That would be the Andrea Doria, which is just off the East Coast here. Um, but once you're inside, once you have a ceiling over your head, whether it's a cave or a dining room of an ocean liner, if you've got underwater problems, you've got to fix those problems underwater. You've yeah. got no surface option. So, so to all of our listeners, especially all the men out there, man, if you want some serious adventure uh, and, and you want to read about either wreck diving or cave diving, hit me, john at hagmanreport.com, email me, put wreck diving, cave diving in the subject line. I will personally send you titles of some amazing books. That's how into this genre I am. Anyway, <laughs> Joe, I'm out way out in left field, so I'm going to hand it back to you while I find my way back to The Daily Show. All right. Well, I got an, an infuriating and interesting report from the College Fix. California University works to reduce number of white people on campus in keeping with the diversity and inclusion movement sweeping campuses across the country. Cal Poly San Lucius uh, recently released a 30 page report outlining plans to improve diversity via a series of initiative. One goal is to increase the number of people of color on campus beyond the increases that have already occurred in the past few years. Here we go. The, in 2011, the campus was 63% Caucasian. The May 2nd report informs readers in fall of 2017, it was less than 55%, but there's still so much work to do. The Public Research Institute states it wishes to get those numbers more in line with the state's percentage of white people, which recent polls hold at 39.7%. To further advance its goals of reflecting the demographics of California to create a more diverse and inclusive campus community, uh, this this is from the report. Anyways, they want to uh, bring in more African Americans and more minorities, and they want to have less white people in there. So the uh, question comes up: the word diversity, the word inclusion. Let's just call it what it is. You want to eliminate white people. White people is are evil. Uh, they're all racist. This is the hive mind collective liberal, uh, <laughs> you know, communist socialist mindset. You have freaking white people protesting their own whiteness in the streets it's an epidemic it's a mental disease this it is. liberalism in the spirit of of, of uh, uh confusion and, and deception it's a spiritual and mental disease that these Wait, people have i just thought of something i just thought of something okay so we've got um uh, i just uh, got a text just now from eric chicone who is a, a publicist up in new york um We've got another guest from Media Research Center, from Newsbusters, coming on tomorrow night. And they're going to talk about the beatdown that happened last week at Whataburger uh, because of that, that young man who was wearing a Make America Great cap. And I, I mentioned it yesterday on The Daily Show as well. But, Joe, I just thought of something. Okay, as you read that piece, um, would, would, would not the administration of any university – because remember, universities' funding comes from, comes from tax dollars – tuition and from their alumni that's where the big bucks come from and then if they've got big sports teams that's another story but but wouldn't you as the administrator of a big university wouldn't you want your university populated by the people with the highest sat scores by the people with the most glowing letters of recommendation from their high school career counselors or from their local congressperson or their state reps or whatever wouldn't you want the best of the best regardless of, of race it has nothing to do with race creed, or gender sexual orientation what Look, is that what's yeah. it got to do with anything none of us chose 
Joe, I could have been born African American. It was God's choice that I was born Scotch Scotch English. I mean that that was that anyway. I don't want to get on a rant. The right. point is that is why these leftist reprobate spun out idiots are beating up people with a make America great hat on again because you know what it's part of what it's going to take to make America great again is performance based uh, uh, population of our of our universities performance based job hiring practices performance based look like it or lump it here's the deal we need if we are to excel particularly in a global economy because i got news for you over in thailand over in china over in vietnam these 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 economic uh, powerhouses that are that are that are exploding in the manufacturing uh, industries they operate on performance based criteria just like we did in the 1950s 60s and 70s and what did we get back then the space program silicon valley aeronautics and the list goes on and on and on so uh joe we've got to get back to make america great again it's got to be performance based and the left doesn't like that you know why it goes back to what we talked about yesterday they're way too busy sucking on their thumbs with their binkies because they're victims. And and we went we did that's exactly right, John. We talked about that uh, the victimhood mentality that the left likes to label everybody as victims and keep them in that victimhood mentality so that they can never uh, get out of it and and uh, you know uh, become successful on their own. And that's what made America so, made America so great was that people had equal opportunity, not equal outcomes. And when you attempt to give uh, people equal outcomes based on race uh, and gender or, or, or sexuality, uh, special privileges, special outcomes, it's, it turns into a disaster. And you see that uh, the racism has never been higher in this country. And we see even the the establishment white people are at a war against white people. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But changing subjects again, because we have uh, another interesting piece of news here. Uh, that we can uh, talk about, John. And this is from the LA Times. Judge again delays sentencing for Michael Flynn, Trump's former national security advisor. Now, this is like the third time that this sentencing has been postponed. And I believe it has to do with the controversy surrounding the 302, which is the FBI's interview sheet, and how it was modified or changed by Peter Strauch. uh, And it could amount to basically Flynn being set up. And I think that this is being delayed because they have proof that he was set up and did not lie. So they're putting out they're putting these delays there maybe in order to handle this behind the scenes i don't know but this report says a federal judge on tuesday again delayed the sentencing of michael flynn uh the advisor to trump white house officially charged in the sprawling russia investigation the retired army lieutenant general appeared in court for the first time since he pleaded guilty on december 1st to one count of lying to federal agents about his contacts with the russian ambassador during the presidential transition Flynn was charged as part of the probe led by Robert Mueller into whether illegal conspiracy existed between Trump, allies, and Russia authorities. Anyway, Tuesday's hearing provided no hints about the direction of the Mueller probe, which has produced criminal charges against 20 individuals since last fall. And that's funny because those 20 individuals, 13 of them are, are Russian bots, you know, that don't even exist. But anyway, Mueller has not signaled whether he is close to wrapping up his investigation. Trump lawyers and his supporters have demanded. So as part of Flynn's deal, he agreed to cooperate with federal prosecutors and his sentencing has been delayed. The special counsel's office and Flynn's lawyers recently have asked the probation office to prepare a pre-sentence report, a standard step that normally involves an investigation 
into a convicted criminal's background to document extenuating circumstances that might lessen the sentence or criminal history to justify a heavier sentence. Now, this is just crazy because what Michael Flynn is accused of doing is just lying to the FBI. And I don't even know that he really lied to the FBI as the FBI has been caught in the conspiracy, their own conspiracy, that they used at the top levels of the law enforcement of the FBI and DOJ to uh, attempt to destroy candidate Trump's uh, ability to become president. And then if he did become president, have his presidency uh, uh, be tarnished with this whole Russia crap. That was all set up by these FBI, the DOJ, the Mueller's, the Comey's, the Strauch's, the same people who were trying to say that Flynn lied to them, so he must go to jail. It's just a witch hunt, and I don't know, you know, people read a lot into this stuff with Flynn's, this being a number, like the third time it's his uh, sentencing has been delayed, and they like to speculate about all the different possibilities as, as to why this could be happening, but either way, uh, I don't see him going to jail, and if he does, he should be pardoned, I believe he will be pardoned by Trump, but what do we know about the Mueller investigation? We know that it's costing millions of dollars uh, for evidence that has already been proven to be created by the left, by the Comeys, by the Obamas. Uh, it's just a joke, it, and I don't even like to talk about it anymore. But what happened? We saw the IG report drop. Did anybody get held accountable? Did anybody go to jail? We saw last week it said Peter Strauch was subpoenaed by a congressional subpoena to testify today. Uh, is he testifying? Lisa Page got a subpoena to testify it where's the headlines about this stuff that's what i want to know we don't see these headlines but it's a joke it seems to all be a joke there's no accountability you know, i'm gonna call my main boy brian stelter on the uh tin can phone as soon as we're done here with the daily show and uh and i'll ask him uh to uh help us navigate the general flynn crisis <laughs> so uh so i'll get some information from my main man stelter and uh, we'll have that. Uh, we'll have that for tomorrow's show, Joe. By the way, tomorrow uh, we will have, of course, Stephen Minking join us as he does uh, every uh, Wednesday. Um, no, Joe, you you pose some excellent questions. And and look, this this thing with General Flynn, I, we would be remiss if we didn't remind our audience that this cost this man his home. Okay, all of you listeners out there who are homeowners. You know what it takes to make the mortgage every month, pay the home insurance, all those trips to Lowe's and Home Depot's at Home Depot that you can't afford because there's because guess what? It's on you if something breaks. Well, General Flynn lost his home, uh, and 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 if the left, uh, if the if the witch hunt left has their way, his new home, uh, you know, will be uh, uh, you know Alcatraz 2.0. So we're gonna stick on this story, uh, and uh, and we're not gonna let go of it. I agree with you, Joe. I think that General Flynn. Uh, was I think he's an honest man who got caught up in a very dishonest, uh, convoluted uh, situation. And, and, and Joe, if I may, I'm, I'm just going to take 90 seconds to, to uh, mention the change on the uh, Hagman report for this evening, and then I'll hand it back to you. Uh, we originally had Brandon Strzok, who uh, uh, founded hashtag walkaway on Twitter, which is trending to become one of the biggest hashtags in the history of Twitter. Yeah, and let, uh, me, let me add that uh, there's a, a, a sheer blue uh, leftist Huffington Post, Washington Post talking point that this walk away is being perpetrated on Twitter by Russian bots. Well, I talked to Brandon Strzok about an hour and a half ago. He's in London. He's not a Russian bot. He's actually from Queens, New York. But, hey, who, who am I to blow against the wind? Here's the deal. Brandon Strzok had to reschedule. Uh, because of the time difference. So he's over in London. When he's back in the States, we'll get him on the Hagman Report. It'll be early next week. However, 
he was able to conduct his interview tonight today with Tracy Beans. So jump over to Tracy Beans YouTube channel uh, probably tonight or tomorrow. She gets her material up pretty quick. That's Tracy B E A N Z on YouTube and 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 check out Brandon Strock over on our friend Tracy's channel. Now Tracy will be with us tonight. So here's the rundown for the Hagman Report tonight. We've got a couple of minutes of introduction. Joe will do a lightning round of news. Uh, Alicia Powell, who just joined the Education Project uh, in D.C., a pro-conservative um, uh, uh, getting some reality back into education uh, effort. Uh, she's the communications director for the Education Project, and they're just getting started. And that is, that, that is, um, is uh, under the tutelage of Kevin Jackson, regular Fox News contributor. Uh, but Alicia Powell is going to join us tonight, Joe, from the Seth Rich Vigil. Now, we know that uh, uh, Jack, uh, what's his last name, Berkman, uh, Berkman uh, ha- had his, uh, in fact, his big news conference uh, uh, started 16 minutes ago. Uh, Seth Rich news coming down the pike. I actually have some inside info that I cannot share. Joe, I'll tell you offline. Um, but Alicia Powell is going to join us live on video from the Seth Rich Vigil then we've got Craig Sawman Sawyer jumping in for half an hour. He just got back from a uh, Southeast Asian country. I'll let him give you the details uh, where they were busting American sex tourists. So 30 minutes with the Sawman. Boom. Hour two, we jump into some hardcore news and analysis with Tracy Beans. We'll talk more about Judge Kavanaugh. We'll get into whatever's going on with Spygate and, and Mueller's ongoing saga. Uh, Tracy Beans in hour two. And then, of course, we are joined in hour three, as we are every Tuesday evening, by Standeo, standeo.com. Joe? Well, did a little digging for information on Strauch. Uh, Trump says FBI Strauch page have cold feet ahead of Capitol uh, Hill testimony. President Trump claimed Tuesday that FBI lovers Peter Strauch and Lisa Page are getting cold feet ahead of planned Capitol Hill appearances this week amid conflicting reports over whether they will show up. Both officials who previously worked on the Russia probe have faced congressional and internal scrutiny over anti-Trump text messages. FBI official Strauch so far is still expected to testify in a public hearing on Tuesday. Oh, I'm sorry, on Thursday. Okay, so it's not today, it's Thursday. However, a congressional source suggested former FBI Laura P- lawyer Page might not show up for her closed-door uh, deposition, uh, Wednesday deposition. I am on Air Force One flying to NATO and hear reports that the FBI lovers, Strauch and Page, are getting cold feet on testifying about the rigged witch hunt headed by 13 angry Democrats and people that worked for Obama for eight years. Total disgrace, Trump tweeted from Air Force Force One en route to Brussels for a NATO summit to kick off his four-country European tour. The appearances were planned before the House Judiciary Committee and House Oversight Committee. Page was subpoenaed by the Judiciary Committee to appear for a closed-door deposition in front of both committees Wednesday at 10 a.m. A congressional source told Fox News the committees are unsure whether Page will show up and her attorneys have been hedging and could potentially ignore her subpoena. Now, this is my question. How can Strauch and Page ignore congressional subpoenas? Isn't that... I don't know. Maybe they forgot contempt of court. Did they forget to text each other? Uh, Hi, honey bunny. Love you bunches. Just got a subpoena. (laughs) I just don't understand how they. uh, How if you are subpoenaed by Congress, how can you deny that subpoena? I mean, we've seen uh, in the other side of this the Trump investigation. Who was uh, one of the uh, Trump team members who was? 
brought in to testify so much he had to sell his house. Uh, remember us, us reporting on that because he kept getting subpoenaed and having to comply with requests uh, from Congress or from uh, one of these committees. And he had to basically remortgage his house. And he said he's going to have to come out of retirement and all this stuff. How come Page and Strauch are not held to that same standard where they have to show up or they will you know, face criminal charges? I don't understand this. I guess today I am not living in reality. I don't know. Did something change since last night, John, did the well, something did. You went, you went to Ohio and picked up, you know, sixty something pounds of cow, and in the meantime, the country continued to fall apart. I think I like it better when I pay less attention, to, as little attention to the news as possible, especially from mainstream sources, because I mean, it, it is such a circus. Some days it's so frustrating, John, and you know this. Probably we should have done a show like, uh, "What would you do if you had uh, fifty million dollars in the bank?" Which, by the way, we're still supposed to do. Uh, we we've, we have not done that yet. Joe, can I can I ask your permission? I, I want to. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left. I, I've got a, a paragraph I want to read yep. um, about, uh, and this is this is to all of our Christian brothers and sisters out there. Now, my my dad handed me a book, and this meant a lot to me. This came out of his bookcase. He's had it for thirty years, and he says uh, he says, John, this was a book that first showed me a connection to us and our faith and Christianity and conservatism. This was a great book. Enjoy it. Love dad. So this meant a lot to me. This is one nation under God by Russ Walton. Now he's talking about the framers setting up the country and the fact that they chose a Republic and Russ uh, Walton writes, they had just been down that, that bitter road. They knew all about the misuse of those so-called divine rights of Kings and they knew the scriptures. Now, this is key. How many of us really know the scriptures? They were mindful of the prophet Samuel's warning back when the nation of Israel had demanded an earthly king. This, said Samuel, this shall be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and his instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be perfumers and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them unto his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your choicest young men and your livestock and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king whom ye shall have, ye shall have chosen. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Joe, I wanted to share that today because if people will go back and, and review what I just read, it, Samuel knew, what, 4,000, almost 5,000 years ago, he knew that, 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 that improper governance, that the wrong leadership, the rulership that we see over people like, from people like George W. Bush and Barack Obama and Lyndon Baines Johnson and these, these horror shows we've had in the White House, he knew that they would take everything from us. Joe, Samuel... Uh, what, 4,000, almost 5,000 years ago was, was writing and warning the same thing that departing President Dwight D. Eisenhower warned of in his famous military industrial 
uh, complex speech the day before he left the White House. And the part that really shakes me to the bones, and we need to think about this when we think about Judge, Judge Brett Kavanaugh and whether Roe v. Wade needs to die and die now. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king whom ye shall have chosen, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. That's a very good scripture and uh, a very a very good message as we see. I've been reading uh, the Old Testament uh, the last few days, maybe for the last week now, in Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah. And one of the themes uh, as you read through, especially in Ezekiel, you read through, uh, it goes through all the, these different destructions, you know, the, the destruction of Egypt, uh, the destruction of, of Babylon, the destructive, uh, destruction of Saudi Arabia. And it goes through all these uh, and, and there's dual fulfillments in there, you know, for past and for future, uh, as it talks about Israel being brought out of the nations again for the last time in the end days, which is the days we live in. It's so relevant uh, today, even what's written in, in from 2,800 years ago by Ezekiel in the Old Testament is because it's the word of God. It is so relevant today. It's more relevant than it was yesterday or the day before or, or the day before that. Each day we come closer uh, you know, to the the uh, you know beginning of sorrows, if you will, the times of troubles that we are definitely in the uh, beginning stages of, if not you know closer than we might imagine. Uh, that it's so important that we stay rooted in our faith uh, with that with that foundation. And you know, who cares? There's, there's this insanity, this political circus, this uh, political theater that is the news media, the twenty four seven. Uh, news media with with their you know liberal collective satanic hive mind and the promotion of their agenda this is that's never going to stop so take the time away from uh you know whether it's watching cnn or fox news or listening to radio take 10 minutes take 15 minutes and and sit down and make a point to read uh out of scripture each day because we have to have that faith of that foundation of faith or we're not going to be able to get through what is coming and what what is coming is going to take spiritual and mental strength more so than physical strength and uh and we're going to need that guidance and discernment because things are not going to get any better i mean it just uh you know it doesn't matter what trump does the left is going to uh, rage and now with this whole kavanaugh thing you got a lot of confused very loyal Trump supporters who are who are wondering what's going on and something tomorrow will happen and the left will be outraged again and the Trump supporters will be you know backing him up cheering him on for what he's saying and what he's doing the the show will go on but Joe Joe does time, the left make a quick sure question you... quick question I'm sorry does the left ever get tired of being outraged I mean no, don't they ever want to no. just go home and drink a glass of water and chill no no because that you know that's misogynist that's uh, you know <laughs> that everything that these pe these people hate themselves and they hate everybody else and they hate that everybody else is happy and they're miserable and dead inside so they have to ruin everything for the rest of us who, who actually try to enjoy life that's their goal john and they do a good job of it and no they'll never stop it will only get worse and the cries will only grow louder and the crowds will only get bigger that's the way I see it, but sorry to leave on such a depressing note. Uh, no, it's, it's but it's the truth, man. Look, it's the truth. Look, we're gonna. It, it, it's 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 a long hot summer. We are not gonna back down from the truth, and we're not gonna sugarcoat it. Look, we're not here to be edgy, unpleasant guys. But Joe, let's be honest. You and I are both men, and we are in an edgy and unpleasant time. That's right. That'll do it for us today.
today. The Hagman Daily Show is brought to you by The Hagman Report. Tune in to The Hagman Report weekdays, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information, go to HagmanReport.com. That's HagmanReport.com.